the fan pregame. Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan. A hot night on the network. Less than a hot start from Alec Manoa in spring training today. Woo, we're going to go through all that. In a couple of minutes, we'll have Ben Nicholson-Smith joining us shortly as well. Uh, the Raptors earned their pizza party last night. Uh, the Raptors show got their own pizza party yeah, to okay. celebrate. Will Lou. Empty boxes. That's all we stumbled upon. Empty boxes. So none left for us. But a big basketball night on the network. Philly and Boston, Houston and OKC, all on Sportsnet 1. We got you covered here at the network. And then we're going to transition into our Leafs pregame show at 6.30. Uh, Leafs returning home, face the Golden Knights again tonight. They're on a seven-game heater. Luke Fox will join us from Scotiabank Arena to set it all up. And also from the NHL tonight on Sportsnet Buffalo in Florida, Atlantic Division matchup, two teams that are trending up. Uh, and uh, best bets, of course, still to come. Is Buffalo trending up? They missed something? Buffalo's been playing better lately. I thought you were picking Buffalo tonight. I thought that's be, why. Is it their year? It's not their year. Uh, maybe next it's year. the fake comeback. I wanted it to be their year, and I will see you next fall when I say it's their year again. Um, all right, before we get to Ben, let's talk about Alec Manoa. So... Hard to preface this because it is early. It is spring training. It is a delicate balance of, wow, I can't wait to see everybody in the best shape of their lives. Oh, my God, the sky is falling because Alec Manoa had a horrible outing. But after 38 pitches, he hit three batters. He walked one. He got no strikeouts. He gave up four runs. He was pulled in the second inning, and only 17 of 38 of his pitches were in the zone. There's your context of today's appearance uh, in Dun- uh, not in Dunedin, wherever the other guys play. Mm-hmm. Basically Dunedin. They're all neighbors. I don't know if we should be giving some grace how we should discuss Alec Manoa because if there's anybody that the leash is a lot shorter in terms of first appearances, it's got to be Alec Manoa. But as we mentioned, there is a lot of time to work through these things, but it's not an inspiring appearance for a spring training for a guy that this like whole year is about can he turn the corner who is Alec Manoa what happened in the offseason and this is what we get today yeah especially when he's been advertised as something that was different right mm-hmm. compared to last year at least what we saw and what reporters were saying about the cage sessions and how he was throwing to start spring training they're like oh Alec Manoa looks different and it looks pretty good coming out of his hand and everything's really impressive and then he goes out there on a game that you know wasn't on Sportsnet one of the few ones not on Sportsnet right which may have been tactical if you're the Blue Jays as well. Kind of just get through this one. Well, you didn't get through this one without anyone noticing because Alec Manoa did what Alec Manoa did last summer, which was give you an outing that was just fraught with issue. And when you you can throw 38 pitches, only 17 in the zone, there's no swing and miss just as there was last year, no strikeouts, a walk, three hit batters. It looked like he was intentionally trying to hit those batters. Because it hit them in it hit them in violent ways. I don't know if it was just it was I don't watch. know if it was the camera angle, but it hit those guys like high and hard, and it's just like mm-hmm. okay, that's not control, and control is something Manoa needs control of, or it's going to be the same song and dance. Okay, so Alec Manoa gets an opportunity to talk briefly with the media after his short stint today at spring training. Let's just hear what Alec Manoa had to say about the experience and about his return to the mound in spring training um you know definitely i think uh you try and go out there and and win every pitch you know and um yeah definitely you know you kind of want to want to have you know starts where uh, everything doesn't feel the best uh now instead of having it uh when it matters you know so um you know some of that inexpensive experience inexpensive experience 
is the phrasing from uh, Alec Manoa. Let's talk to Ben Nicholson-Smith joining us, of course, from Sportsnet, the Letters podcast. Ben, what do you think of inexpensive experiences? What a, what a phrasing. That is quite a phrasing. I, I'm not <laughs> sure that it's one that I've heard that many times. Can you decipher it? Justin and I did this off the air, and we think it is saying that... It didn't cost the Blue Jays because he had a poor training. outing, and it's, I guess, inexpensive because it didn't cost them anything. But again, it seems experience. like it's galaxy-braining it a little experience. bit. It looks like you had a little time to think about it, which means, hey, maybe we're prepared to not have our stuff. I don't know. It, it's, it is, uh, you know, for a writer like yourself, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty good line, but uh, I don't know how cute you want to get in these moments. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I guess I can get there that it, there's no cost, right? Mm-hmm. There's no cost to Alec Manoa struggling um, in some ways. I, I do think there's a positive, too, from what happened in his outing, where you do see the velocity 93 for the sinker, 93.7 for the four-seamer. That's a good building block. Um, at the same time, you need more than velocity to get by in Major League Baseball. So he has a lot more steps to take, and we'll see if he can take them. But yeah, the outing, as you said there, Ailish, just running through those numbers, like it's not ideal, that's for sure. He still has some significant steps to go here. So I, I did mention too, like just talking about Alec Manoa this early on and it not being the most positive of, of experiences, whether they're inexpensive or not, to start this spring training is a bit delicate because we have high expectations for Alec Manoa. There is still time to turn this around. So when you're trying to weigh like how drastic this is, how Blue Jays fans should feel, how writers are going to have their leads into their stories, how much weight should we be putting into today's start? Well, I guess blanket statement, it's spring training. So mm-hmm. as long as everyone's healthy, then that's like the most important thing. But within that, I, I think that this spring training start and every Alec Manoa spring training start is more significant than your standard issue, you know, George Springer at bat or Bobachet at bat. Because... For those guys, it really just is about timing. For Alec Manoa, this was the first time that he was in a game setting in more than six months. So this was significant. And I'm not trying to say that we should read into every hit batter or every mislocation. That's probably inevitable after that long of a layoff. But there is something to be taken from any of these starts because six and a half months is a long time. Like that's almost, you know, that would be the same kind of duration that you have away if there was a significant injury. Um, So... As things stand, you know, the velo, that's a good thing. Uh, didn't see a lot of the delivery, so not sure if he was able to check those boxes as far as the mechanics uh, that the Blue Jays are really looking for from him. They want to see that fluidity from him. But, yeah, end of the day, the results do tell something of a story. And if you're throwing only 45% of your pitches for strikes, that tells us that he needs to be more uh, in line to the plate with his delivery and attacking hitters more aggressively. Uh, historically, how important are the first impressions at a spring training? In your experience covering spring trainings and seeing how just the rest of spring training goes, how important spring training is as it pertains to translating to the regular season? Like these are all in sequence, I suppose. But hey, if it's like really rough off the bat for anyone, uh, does it affect? Does it linger? Does it usually linger? Like, can you correlate something really early on to, you know, mid-season when it comes to a baseball year? You know, again, most most important of all, I think, is just that he's out there healthy. And you contrast that to someone like Ricky Tiedemann, who was bumped from his, uh, his start that was supposed to take place on Saturday in the spring opener. Manoa, if nothing else, he's out there, he's on the mound, he's talking like he's in a positive headspace. So 
no one in the organization is going to look at this start and say, well, we're going to cross him off or we're going to bump him down. This is in some ways to be expected. Again, not saying it's a good thing that he goes out there and he throws more balls than strikes, but it's not the most surprising thing. So now for Manoa, it's about building on this and showing something different the next few times out and showing that he can build on that. Because you think back to last year, guys like Jose Barrios, who struggled in spring training and really didn't put it together, Chris Bassett, same thing. Mm-hmm. Those guys had awesome years. So you can struggle in spring and then put it together. But, you know, Manoa has work to do. Not everybody can be Grapefruit League MVP uh, Kikuchi like last season. Just share the wealth. Yeah, but again, like that's the story. And again, we can't, you can't like get too tied up in it. But Kikuchi, we know, had a really hard offseason where he was trying to amend things. Then comes back, comes to spring training. and was great for mm-hmm. pretty much all of spring training, which is, uh, you know, was an encouraged thing and an encouraging thing and made you feel better about him running out there every fifth day. You mentioned the increase in velocity uh, for Alec Manoa. How can he use that to his advantage when looking at like last year and what he needed and what wasn't working if it's coming more naturally to him in terms of velocity? How does that simplify, I guess, his issues and his approach when, you know, it, it means a little bit more? I just think it makes it that much harder for the hitters. And, you know, you see velocity creeping up around Major League Baseball every single year to the point that if you're a right-handed pitcher throwing 94, that's kind of average in today's game, which is kind of remarkable. But that's where the game is. That's how good pitching is today. So you don't want to be sitting there with a below-average fastball if you can't locate your secondary pitches. And so for Manoa to be there with an average fastball, maybe above average for a starting pitcher, um, and then build on that next time out. You want to see the slider over the plate more. You want to see him getting swings and misses on the slider, which he got one of today. Um, so there's a lot to to build from here. But I think the velocity for any pitcher really just gives them that extra breathing room where the hitter has to make the decision that much sooner. Yeah, he did mention as well in his brief uh, post-game comments that he was happy with the, the velocity being up. He, he made sure to, to mention that was a positive of today's outing. I think he touched 95 twice, so... Those are things that we look for for Alec Manoa, uh, and he made sure to make sure that we knew that as well. Um, I wonder for you, just being around spring training, getting an opportunity to see Manoa or like talk to people now that spring training has started, that was a really quiet and uncomfortable exit from the end of last year with Alec Manoa uh, not reporting to Buffalo and, and us not really knowing what's going on. Did we learn anything more about just maybe the offseason strategies, the priorities, uh, the process between the Blue Jays and Alec Mandoa coming into this start of spring training? It seems to me like everyone's ready for a reset. And that can be a really good thing at this time of year. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't know where it's going to go. But I think that after everything that happened last year, it was frustrating. I mean, it was it put attacks on the pitching staff uh, in June when Manoa first left the rotation and they Mm -hmm. basically went with a four man rotation. They put attacks on coaches and team decision makers later in the season as they were trying to navigate this and figure out what was next and of course it wasn't an easy time for Manoa so I think everyone's just eager to turn the page Um, and it seems like genuinely they're ready to look past everything that happened last year and you kind of have to because Mm -hmm. they need him and they need the pitching staff of this team to be a real strength in 2024 I think it can be I think even with Manoa's struggles today you look around baseball you're not going to find a lot of you know perfect uh, fifth starters, right? The Yankees right. have Clark Schmidt and the Red Sox have Tanner Houck. And you're not talking about aces in that spot. So it's important to remember that too. But Manoa is a really important player for this team. And I do think that they kind of reset things in the course of the offseason. 
We're chatting with Ben Nicholson-Smith of, of Sportsnet and At The Letters podcast. So Kikuchi had a really nice debut. I love Kikuchi. Uh, he's such a great guy. And he has a new pitch. So tell us about his offseason and what we might be looking forward to this season. Yeah, so much uh, with Yusei Kikuchi uh, to build off of after really a tremendous uh, season in uh, in 2023. Uh, the Jays will, again, be relying on him in a big mm-hmm. way. We all obviously see the fastball and the slider and the curveball. Sounds like he's experimenting too to get more of a split or change type look mm-hmm. in there, um, which you know could be could be really interesting. Um, but honestly, if Yusei Kikuchi goes out and replicates what he did last year, everyone in this organization would be thrilled. And he doesn't have to be someone who pitches seven innings at a time. Um, what he did last year is more than enough. And really, you could say that about four of the five members of this starting rotation, where if you get what you got from Gosman, Barrios, Bassett, and Yusei Kikuchi, you would be absolutely thrilled. Yeah, and, uh, and as you mentioned, like that's why Manoa is so key, because it can go from you know very good to excellent very quickly if Manoa was... Manoa of 2022, right? We're talking about fifth starters on the Yankees and Red Sox. Well, if the fifth starter was someone who went to the All-Star game uh, a year before last, uh, then that would completely change the dynamic and really, really underscore what the strength of this team is. Okay, so Kikuchi's got a new pitcher, a new offering. What other changes are people talking about in Dunedin? What other things have people's attention when it comes to, hey, maybe the way someone looks, the way someone is swinging the bat, the way someone's conducting themselves in really any way. What's hot? What's buzzy in Dunedin? Well, I'll be able to give you a, a fuller answer in a couple of days once I get mm-hmm. down there. But certainly my impression is that everyone's talking uh, really highly of Vlad Guerrero Jr., uh, clearly mm-hmm. someone who arrived in camp in really good shape. So that's a great starting point considering how important he is to this team. Um, Vladdy, Manoa, Kirk, those guys seem to be in really good physical condition. And then you can kind of go from there and see how that manifests on the field. But I, I think Vlad Guerrero Jr., when you're talking about the Jays, is front and center for everything that they're trying to do. So him being in good shape is a great st- uh, step for this team. What do you make of Matt Chapman still being unsigned and maybe cross-referencing that with the signing of Cody Bellinger just a few days uh, ago that Boris clients still maybe stagnant, waiting to find some spots? It's so interesting, right? And I think with Chapman, I mean, it's hard to find exactly where he's going to end up. I think the Giants on paper are the best fit. The Cubs are potentially a fit for him. I think the Jays on paper are a fit. We know they made him one offer already. Mm -hmm. uh, The qualifying offer that is back in November for $20.35 million. So they have made him one offer. Things have shifted since then, both for him and for the Blue Jays. I mean, from a baseball standpoint, there's a case to be made that you should see if there's a fit on a short-term deal for Matt Chapman. Now, we know Ross Atkins has said that the Blue Jays believe if they're going to make another addition, some sort of subtraction would have to come as well. So, you know, not necessarily holding my breath expecting that to happen. But I think on paper, you know, Matt Chapman, he's not a perfect player, but he's a really good player and he can help teams defensively and offensively. So I'll be really curious to see where it is that he ends up. Yeah, I wonder if both the Blue Jays and Matt Chapman knew that this would be the reality right now on February 27th that, you know, maybe the offseason would look different for both te- both uh, parties, I-, I suppose, and maybe uh, a reunion wouldn't have been the craziest idea. Uh, Bo Bichette made some news on Blair and Barker, talked about Justin Turner. Justin Turner was signed uh, a few weeks later, uh, and Justin Turner acknowledged that. It seems like uh, those two are have some sort of kinship, at least, at least in terms of the way that they look at the game. I know you're not in Dunedin yet, but do you expect these two to sort of be the beating heart in some ways of this team, or at least 
the thing that keeps everyone or tries to keep everyone on the straight and narrow? Yeah, you know, I think they're so important to this team just because they're two of the players who can do a lot of things offensively and just be out there every single day, which in baseball kind of brings with it a, a sort of credibility um, if you're producing uh, so consistently as Turner has for the last 10 years. I think there are others who could be in that group. Um, you know, you look at someone like George Springer, who historically uh, has had a lot of success, and I'm sure the Jays would love to see him uh, bringing an intensity to the to the field every single day this year. Um, Vlad Guerrero Jr., you want to see him bringing that intensity and focus every single day. Um, we know that that Bo Bichette certainly is obsessed with trying to win and produce and, and be out there, as many players are on this ball club. So Turner fits that mold for sure. I, I think in baseball, there's no singular leader on most teams. And I don't look at this 24 Blue Jays team as, as a club that has one clear and singular leader on the pitching staff. You could look to Barrios. You could look to Kevin Gosman and Chris Bassett. Those guys are all leaders um, in their own ways. But I, I think Bichette and Turner are part of that leadership group. And it's going to be important. I mean, to, to get that focus out of everyone every day this year, that's really important. Because you look at last year, Vlad Jr. getting picked off second base with the season on the line. That's just one little thing. But the base running all season, the focus wasn't always there. And that can make a difference pitch to pitch. You get a few more outs. You get a few more at-bats. That can really swing things in a division that's going to be really close. Is it tricky? I mean, we talk about this all the time with the NBA and NHL trade deadlines. How can a you know a veteran or a leader come in and assert themselves as a leader in within that group or within a pre-existing structure? And I guess it's a little different in off season. They're going to spend the entire year, including spring training, in there. But in your experience covering the Jays, like when a when a leader comes in and inserts themselves into something that is already pre existing, is it seamless? Is it a bit of an issue? Is it uh, you know? Are there some some? Uh, is there some sort of adversity they got to overcome to get there? Like how easy is that in a clubhouse environment in baseball? I think in baseball, it's. I don't think that a player can necessarily insert themselves into a situation or or assert themselves and say, I'm going to be a leader. I I just think that there's too much history in there. There are too many games and there are too many individual players for one person to come in and say, this is my team now. Here we go, boys. Like, let's let's go. I just don't think that that functions. So I, I think that hearing Justin Turner talk about it, he had a really refreshing perspective and I, I liked it when he was saying that he views it as he has to earn everyone's respect. Even the young players on that team, guys with way less service time than he has, he has to earn their respect. And then, of course, he can do that. He's been around Major League clubhouses and um, knows the ropes there. And so in time, he will earn that respect, but it's not something that he's going to demand of them on day one. All right, Ben, we appreciate all your time today. Uh, I think making us feel a little bit better about Alec Manoa's start, but still lots to come for spring training. Enjoy your trip down there. We'll definitely catch up with you soon. Sounds great. Thank you both. Thanks so much. Uh, Ben Nicholson-Smith of Sportsnet and, of course, the At The Letters podcast. If you missed it just off the top of the show there, Manoa first uh, starts in quite a while for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yanked after 38 pitches, hit three batters, walked none, no strikeouts, gave up four runs, pulled in the second inning, 13 of Sorry, 17 of 38 pitches were in the zone. Mentioned that it was an inexpensive experience in the clip that we played. Uh, but the velo was up. Only up to 
upwards to go now, hopefully Just for deepening Manoa. the bruise on the ribs of a couple of the Detroit Tigers yeah, today. A couple of them might be icing uh, later today. But as we said, you know, this is and Ben is Ben is very level headed and always love that about him. We could definitely be anxious, I think, or a little bit nervous when seeing the Alec Manoa's debut, something we've all been highly anticipating. It's been one of the stories of the offseason. He looked great when he showed up. He gets his first opportunity to prove that it's more than just walking the walk and talking the talk, and it doesn't go yeah. over well, right? I'm, but I'm, I'm just I'm putting a little bit of a pause on any like concern index conversations yet because I want to see another start, of I, course. <laughs> I think what's fair, though, is that it cancels out the equity he may have received by just coming to spring training with a good attitude and, you know, better shape. Hmm. Doesn't it? Because ultimately those things are great. But it doesn't give you anything. I mean, it might get, like, I think... But you and I could show up at spring training in great shape. Does it mean we can go out there and pitch every five days? I think that the way he's taking care of himself physically clearly is showing. I think that we will still see that show and the credit will still be given to him if he starts next game and he looks great, right? I don't think that's out the window. And then he can gain it right back. I yeah. mean, that's going to go back and forth. But like the benefit of the doubt, I think everyone was mm. eager to give him. It's like, okay, maybe we got to dial it back because yeah, we got to see that. right? Because we, if what we saw today, like that was what it was like in the summer. Mm-hmm. It was exactly, right? And again, 100%. we didn't watch the start, saw some highlights. He's getting hit hard. He's hitting the ribs of batters. He's not striking out anyone. Like, you don't have to really see anything but the box score to have a pretty good idea about how the start went. But again, it's early. It's spring training. He's working on things. It's not the season in one spring training start. I will say that next start, though, we're all going to be holding our breath a little bit. It's white knuckle time already. We're (laughs) at white knuckle time already with Alec Manoa. Oh, all right. Um, Let's take a look at some big basketball games on the network tonight. We've got Philly and Boston at 730. That's on Sportsnet 1. Houston and OKC, your guy Shea at 10 p.m. also on Sportsnet One. Um, I, I mean, anytime we get an opportunity to talk about Shea, Justin couldn't be happier. Yeah, I couldn't be happier. It's a it's a great night of basketball on the network, and really, it's kind of underscoring and underlining one thing, and that's excellence. I mean, Shea Gilgis Alexander, every time he goes out there right now, has a chance to build on an MVP MVP portfolio that is very much real. Thirty three point eight points per game in the last five. All wins for the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are gunning for the number one seed. But I don't think we should forget about the Celtics. We don't talk about the Celtics much. Yeah, we really because don't. it's kind of like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not great for the Raptors, Celtics. You don't really want to go down uh, that road. But the Celtics, despite the great seasons of Oklahoma City and Minnesota and mm-hmm. Denver to a certain extent, five games up on every Western Conference team, they have an outside shot right now with almost an 800 winning percentage of having a top 20, 25 season of all time. Like, they are running away with the best record in the MVP. And really, with a really strong finish, could be historically good. And I don't think they're getting much attention. Like, we talk about MVP. We don't talk about Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. Talk about Coach of the Year. We don't talk about Joe Missoula, really. It's like they're kind of just under, uh, just kind of under the radar doing something spectacular. And there's no one individual that you really want to lavish praise on which is an interesting position it's to be in. kind of how I feel about when the Bruins are good. And maybe it's a Boston thing. It is a Bruins thing. It's but last Boston year they thing. won a Vesna Trophy and a, and a coach. No, no, no I mean, I just mean like the fact that like the Bruins could be cooking just like the Celtics. And I just don't want to even, Yeah, I want to go like this and, and hide a bit from it. And it's easy because they failed so spectacularly in the playoffs mm-hmm. of late. 
And Jason Tatum hasn't proved that he could get and it so, done in the and playoffs. And so did the Bruins last year. There you go. So there are some Maybe parallels Maybe there's a here. parallel. The, the downfall of Boston sports. And yet they just keep having <laughs> quiet historical seasons that I'm sure uh, they really enjoy on a night-to-night basis. Okay, uh, let's quickly do our best bets for tonight before we take a break and we'll get into our least pregame show. Uh, I hit another best bet. Logan Stankoven, even though it wasn't his debut, I still hit that one. Uh, we'll give it to me. Uh, my dogs of the day, Bunker's dogs of the day, are the Flyers and the, Co- and the Coyotes parlayed together at plus 305. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of like, Close games tonight. Anytime you get a little bit of value on a team that wants to play for something like the Flyers or the Coyotes who have been pretty brutal as of late, I think there's something in that. Uh, I'm going to go with Shea Gildas-Alexander. I mentioned that he's averaging over 33, almost 34 points a game over the last five. I think they know that an MVP is reached. The one seed is in reach. And if you highlight Shea, well, you win games. Over 31 and a half points for SGA. All right. On the other side, we're going to tee up Leafs and... Almost said lightning. Nope. Leafs and Golden Knights uh, rematch of just a few days ago. Leafs on a red hot streak. Um, all that's come on the fan pregame.